Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag healthy you, wealthy you. Indeed we can be get, get, get better and be better and that is the purpose of our show. Welcome to the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. I'm Adol Kozilski with my co-host Fagy. Good morning, Fagy. Good morning, Adol. So good, so good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, if those of you that are listening to us, we've actually, we've actually upped our game and now we can, we can see each other on, on screen, which makes it far more personable than speaking to a black box. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, we are going to be discussing the relationship between the brain and your stomach. And it's not just about that your brain says, I'm hungry, and so you go and feed it. There's a lot of science behind the gut-brain um, relationship. And we are very, very excited that we are going to be uh, having Taryn Cochlin on the show again. She is certified in functional medicine. Uh, she's a colon hydrotherapist and a coach. She has given us a lot of her time um, in previous shows, and we are very, very excited to have her back again. Good morning, Taryn. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Great. We are going to be discussing this gut-brain um, uh, functionality and, and what it really means and what's the science behind it. We've got a couple of minutes before we go to our first break, so maybe as a basis, um, let's understand what 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 does the gut brain relationship mean? What what has science been telling us about about it? It's a very big topic, and um, it's something that we can't cover in a few minutes. But we also have to look at what goes on behind to cause this gut brain re- relationship, and what can actually hinder it. So in my business, I see a lot of people coming to me with depression, anxiety. Um, even schizophrenia, um, and a lot of these are actually caused by digestive issues. So one of the things that, well, two things I'd like to discuss today is the relationship between SIBO and the brain and also irritable bowel syndrome and even things like H. pylori, how it actually affects the brain. There's nothing in the body that doesn't affect the brain and there's nothing in the brain that doesn't affect the body. There's this vagus nerve that runs from the, the gut to the brain and back again. And the more anxious you get, the more irritable you get, the more you don't stabilize your blood sugar levels, it's immediately going to have a reaction onto your digestive system. So when you hear people say, I feel like I've been um, punched in the stomach, I've got butterflies in my stomach, I feel nauseous um, when they are anxious, this is exactly what happens. One of the big things is that People don't realize is over 80% of your serotonin is actually manufactured in your gut. 50% of your dopamine, then you also get things like your norepinephrine. These are manufactured um, to a large percentage in your gut and manufactured um, with your good and your bad bugs. So if you've got a lot of bad bugs, you can imagine what it's doing to your brain. So the whole idea is for us to actually encourage the, the, the good guys in our guts. But unfortunately, in my business, I see an incredible amount of the other way around, where people come to me with a lot of gut dysbiosis. And it's rare that I see somebody with gut dysbiosis that does not have some kind of anxiety, depression, irritability, moodiness. Sleep is another big one we see. So there is this relationship. It's a very big topic. But we also have to look at 
what causes this? And I think we should, you know, look at that in the in the actual. Um, Taryn, talk. can we can we discuss SIBO and just go into what SIBO is? We're going to discuss SIBO, um, Faggy. We've just got to go for a bit of a break. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Faggy Stern. Welcome back. You are at the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. We are in conversation with Taryn Cochlin and we are talking about, I guess, a subject that has only come up in the last maybe 10 years where scientists are understanding there is a relationship between our brains and our gut. And it's really the proverbial is the horse before the cart or the cart before the horse. I think, uh, Taryn, in, in previous, uh, you know, years, people would go and treat um, you know, all the psychological disturbances that one, one would find, anxiety, fear, depression, etc., um, from a brain perspective. And it seems now that we've left out uh, a very, very important part. In fact, I think they call the gut the first brain. Am I correct? Uh, it's the second brain. The second brain. Okay, we have the first brain. Okay, our head's got the other second brain. And and there's a whole lot of stuff that I know Faggy asked before. Um, SIBO. Let's talk about SIBO. What does SIBO do to our second brain? Okay, SIBO stands for um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Now, everyone thinks of, of this as being the bad bacteria, but in fact, it's, it's, um, SIBO is, um, is often an overgrowth of our good bacteria. Our, our, our guts are actually collinated by good and, and bad bacteria, and they live very harmoniously together. But it's lifestyle changes and, and um, decreased enzymes and low stomach acid and reflux medications and antibiotics, um, sugars, carbs, hormone imbalances, um, histamines, and another big one which you should cover is stress. These actually create this this imbalance. Um, I hate to call it an overgrowth. I'd like to call it an imbalance. And your clostridiums, your E. coli, your streptococcus, a certain species, they sort of go into overdrive. And then this creates uh, an overgrowth of um, of these bacterias. And it interferes with your digestion and absorption. And so often people um, get diagnosed as having irritable bowel syndrome. And they go to the doctor and they've got been said, oh, well, Mrs. Jones, you've got IBS. Um, take some Colifax, take some, a little bit of um, an anti-inflammatory when it flares up or otherwise just get your tummy working and off you go. But it doesn't solve the problem. And unfortunately, SIBO and um, IBS have very similar symptoms. So it's quite hard to actually diagnose. You, you do need a practitioner to actually do that. But um, what it does is it um, – one of the big indications for me with SIBO, apart from having your bloating and your flatulence and your, your diarrhea and, and things like that, um, looking at autoimmune. People with autoimmune often have SIBO. People with rhoasia, um, Hashimoto's, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, um, um, sort of adrenal function failure, you know, where they, they're adrenally fatigued. Um, these are diabetes is another one. Even things like people with brain fog, we, we look at those and then we start to look at the gut and see what's going on. And generally, because I work in the realm of autoimmune, um, is that I really ever see somebody with an autoimmune disease that does not have a digestive problem. 
So it's it's always a, a, a thing. At the moment, I'm working a lot in the Parkinson's um, in the States, and you look at those people with Parkinson's, they have these digestive problems. You know, did the Parkinson's bring on the digestive problem or did the digestive problem cause, in a lot of extents, the leaky gut to cause the Parkinson's? So what it does is it damages the mucosal cells of the lining of the gut and um, and stops and creates inflammation. And this in itself, if you find people with constantly low iron levels, people that are not absorbing their vitamin Bs, especially your B6, B12, things like your minerals, your zincs, your um, your um, what I call your fat-soluble um, vitamins, um, your vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K, um, then you immediately know there's something going on. And there is a questionnaire that you can actually take um, and see if you've got SIBO, but unfortunately it does match a lot of other um, symptoms as well. So it takes a practitioner to actually look at this as a whole and listen to the patient. If we then get tested for these deficiencies and then we decide to go and take the zinc, take all those other supplements, if we have the SIBO, our body still won't absorb it. While you're taking it, you find that you're feeling okay. Iron supplement is a very good example of that, is that when you're taking your iron or your vitamin B, while you're taking it, you're feeling okay. It's keeping up your iron levels. It's keeping up things like that. But as soon as you think to yourself, okay, now this is great. I'm going to stop it. Then you see this iron level go down. You see um, the vitamin B levels go down. And so it's not sustainable. You actually can't keep on treating the symptom. You've actually got to find out what the cause is. So, you know, iron deficiencies, for example, is often a lack of hydrochloric acid in the stomach. And hydrochloric acid is one of the big things we see with SIBO, is that people do not have enough hydrochloric acid in their stomach. They don't produce enough enzymes because the villi of the, of the, the intestinal, the lumen, is actually being worn away. It's actually being, um, they call them like, they call them shags, like a shag of a carpet. Remember those carpets in the 1970s, those big shaggy carpets? It's like that, and they get, uh, they become blunt. And then your absorption isn't very good. And so you don't, you don't absorb nutrients. If and someone's then been diagnosed with IBS, would they be able to go and say, well, can you please check if I have SIBO? Is that something that they should be asking for? I think that there are a lot of symptoms that would indicate SIBO. But as you know, as I said to you, there is this incredible overlap. Um, of um, of these symptoms, like for example, with with IBS, you know, again, you know, a lot of your triggers are your brain chemical imbalances, your antibiotic use, um, hormone disruptions, yeast infections, candida infections, these kind of things. When you look at those. Um, then we start to see IBS. Okay, we are talking to Taryn Coughlin. If you'd like to join the conversation, the SMS number is 34519. Our telegram is 061-895-1019. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. A reminder to everybody that Faggy and myself run a WhatsApp group and once a day we just drop a thought, a, an encouragement on how to stay a little bit more healthy. If you'd like to join that WhatsApp group, you can send an email to info at chayfm.com. Give us your name. Give us your number. Of course, you've got to have WhatsApp. 
and we will gladly join you. It's uh, not a spam-filling WhatsApp group, um, but it is an encouragement um, uh, for you to become more healthy. Taryn, we're, we're talking about the fact that, you know, we have this um, inconsistency or this, this imbalance better in, in, in our style. What type of treatments does one have to go to uh, or what can we use in order to try stabilize it or get rid of it and, and correct this imbalance? Um, Adel, if you don't mind, um, can I just cover something else that is actually really sure. important at this stage before we get to the solutions? Um, is that uh, when I do these specialized stool tests, I always ever test for something called um, H. pylori, Helicobacter pylori. And this, um, a lot of people go to the doctor with, uh, they've got this gnawing feeling in their stomach, they've, they've got reflux, um, they've got this, you know, every time they eat, they're burping, they've, you know, they're bloated. So, and then you're going to notice SIBO, IBS, and all of them. Again, you've got all these same similar symptoms, the bloating, the flatulence, the constipation, the diarrhea, all of those. And doctors um, really ever test for H. pylori. And what I found is that at least 60 to 65, even sometimes 70% of the people I test come back positive for H. pylori. And this is a bacteria that actually colonates itself in the lining of the stomach. And um, it's it causes untold problems and an incredible amount of inflammation. Some people can have it asymptomatically for years. They never know they've got it. They don't have digestive problems, but they often have um, mood problems. Um, it's linked to depression and anxiety. It's linked to high cholesterol, high body mass index. So it can also move in other areas of the body, but not give you overt digestive disorders. And so what happens is that H. pylori finds it very hard to grow in a, um, a stomach that has got good stomach acid because we need our good stomach acid to actually break down our food to go into our small intestine where it can be broken down again and also absorbed into our system. And so as soon as you take something like a proton pump inhibitor or a Nexium or a Gaviscon or something like it, and some people actually take up to 10 of these uh, Gaviscons a day, 12 a day, you are trying to neutralize because you keep thinking you've got more stomach acid when in fact you've got too little. And so this in itself can be a very big problem with SIBO. It could be one of the reasons why people get SIBO is because the stomach um, the the acidity is not right. It's an imbalance of acidity and allows these bacteria to grow. So that is something that if somebody has got a lot of reflux, they um, you know they are um, every time they eat something they feel bad. When they lie down at night, they've got that. Always just check out H. pylori. And another thing is H. pylori also causes iron deficiencies. Okay, so it's there's this link again. This is there's this this link. So sorry, is the only way to check it through a stool test? You can also do a blood test. You can do, um, you know, you can do the blood test or the stool test. I find the stool test really accurate. Sometimes we find that the the blood test uh, gives doesn't give a positive or negative. They just they can't, and then we retest again. But if you suspect, don't just jump to the PPIs, the proton pump inhibitors and things like it. Just check these things out first because these proton pump inhibitors are not supposed to be used, really speaking, for more than six weeks. And some people are told they can actually stay on these for years. 
And they are. So what is actually happening is they're not producing enough of the good stomach acids that to help break down their food, apart from the fact that people don't chew properly. So that in itself also doesn't break down the food properly. And then you end up with all these other problems. And then when you try and come off the, the PPIs, because your stomach acid is so low, then you get this backlash. So you quickly jump on it again, and then you stay on it. And then you start again seeing nutritional deficiencies. You start seeing very mal- bad malabsorption of calcium. Um, bone density, osteoporosis is linked to long-term use of PPIs. Um, you st- and again, all these minerals actually are depleted. So always just double-check these things. Don't just go onto these drugs. And I know they give, they're giving them to babies, you know, young babies nowadays. Um, yeah. Which scares the hell out of me. <laughs> I think for, for, for treatment of colic or something ridiculous. You know, yeah. the, the kids, the kids shouting and they've got all of that and, and, and it's done. It's actually, it's, it's fascinating and it's scary. It's scary that there's so much happening in your gut and I don't think anybody's looking at it. Well, as the world in general, you're looking at it. I'm looking at it. Faye's yeah. looking at it, but you know, it's something that it's really not commonplace. You know, it's it's again, it's a very complex thing. I mean, uh, I know, but I mean, I need to know a hundred percent more. None of us can ever say we know everything about the digestive tract. They're still finding out so much about the probiotic use and which pro strains are better for what, for this, for that. For example, if you're overweight, you have a totally different gut microbiome to someone that's skinny. You know, if you've got uh, X going on, you've got a tif- different microbiome. So we can never say we know everything. And, and us as practitioners really try hard to help people um, to at least alleviate a lot of these symptoms um, and also get to the cause and heal the gut. Um, so, and another thing as well, which Faggy mentioned last night, we were talking, but I was very tired, so I didn't actually respond very well. Um, I'm usually brain dead after a certain time of night, um, is that um, the liver has a big interplay with SIBO as well. So, um, you know, your liver produces bile, and bile is also responsible. It's actually, bile is also a bit of an anti-inflammatory, actually, but um, it actually gets secreted into the duodenum, which um, aids in the digestion absorption of fats and breaks down these fats and recycles that to the liver. So um, what SIBO does is it slows the bowel, um, and, and this then causes bloating and, and undigested um, fats, and so you end up with these um, stools that are uh, oily and, and all sorts of things, and then you start to get this... Um, toxicity in your liver, and then next minute you're having your gallbladder removed. So and let me just ask you, what happens if you have you have had your gallbladder removed? Well, they say that you can still secrete um, bile, but you often notice that. A, not, I'm not saying everybody, but the, a lot of people that have their bile, um, their gallbladders removed, end up with diarrhea. They end up with um, rich foods are a problem for them because they can't break down these these um, these fats. And also remember your vitamin A, D, E, and K are fat-soluble vitamins. So again, then your absorption is impaired with these as well. So um, it's very important that you do look after your gut because if you've got a gut issue, your liver won't be working well, you know, and, and vice versa. So it's very important that the two go hand in hand. And um, 
And then, of course, to how do we increase our bowel secretion? You know, and I think everyone should do it, irrespective of if you think you've got a, a, a problem with your gallbladder or you're not producing enough bowel, is again, it comes back to the nutrition. Um, you know, increasing your, your glutathione level in your, in your liver. You don't always have to take a tablet. You can use your vegetables and also anything that's bitter and pungent actually increases your secretion, your bowel. Um, and so your dandelion, your, um, things like your turnip and your radish, things, things that people don't often like to eat. Um, those increase your absorption of your, um, your, um, bowel secretion. Um, so if you could get a, a turnip and grate it onto your salad, if you could um, put a radish into your smoothie or eat a little bit of a radish or you have your dandelion tea and your, you know, those kind of, um, even rocket, you know, those pungent kind of things. Ginger, garlic is also plays a, a part in all of these. But you want to use your nutrition a lot, a lot of the time rather than taking a million supplements. So let's let's focus on the treatment. Like right now, it sounds like everybody's second brain is um is drowning. You know, there's there's so much that 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 can that that your second brain affects. What if if somebody came to you and said to you, just tell me what I should do every day. Just give me five steps of how I should start cleaning up my uh, gut. Five steps. Five steps, Adel. <laughs> it's far too too little, too much. I know you'll you'll give fifteen, but. For, for the for the guys out there where, where, where you know they haven't focused like a hundred says the first five and then, then then call Taryn for a consultation for the next five. Well, if so, you're not in for the five years and and then don't do the five minutes, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly what Megan Markle said. That if you're not going to give it five minutes. <laughs> it's not going to work for five years. But if anyone expects their gut to heal in three weeks or five weeks, they are definitely going to be mistaken. They can they can feel a great relief. So um, just sidetracking for a second, I got a WhatsApp on Sunday from a client I've only been working with for 10 days who has been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, a very inflammatory autoimmune disease, and he's actually stopping him from working. And all I said to him was, he says, what are you going to give me, like in a supplement, because the drugs he's taking are hurting his gut, okay? What are you going to give me? I said, no, what you're going to do is change your diet, and I've been working for 10 days, and I got this WhatsApp early Sunday morning from him to say, is it possible that I've woken up for the first time in about six years with no pain in my body? Mm-hmm. And all I did was change his diet. So the the start of all of this is you don't rush to go in and, and take all your gut healers and your things and, and um, you need to start on your diet. You need to start eliminating some of the biggies that I always take out initially your gluten, your dairies, nuts play an enormous big part in SIBO, you know, um, if there's a problem there. You take out nuts and seeds and things like that. Depending on what I'm listening, I always listen to my clients. You take out those. You stabilize your blood sugar levels. Very important. You cut out as many of those sugars as possible. Um, and when I say that, a lot of people say, oh, but I don't like cakes and sweets. I don't eat cakes and sweets. But what they're doing is they're eating a lot of um, carbohydrates. They love their rices. They love their potatoes. They love their pasta. And they also don't read labels on boxes, packets, and tins, which are often very high in sugars and yeast and things. 
And so you want to start with the basics of good eating. You start to replace all those those carby, starchy things with your more vegetables. You know, go towards your vegetables. Use your carbs, your veggies as carbs. And um, and then immediately people say, well, I don't like vegetables. Well, then, you know, that becomes a problem as well. Sometimes we have to do the things that are uncomfortable to make things better. Um, and I think that's very important. Another aspect of, of all of this is actually what COVID's done to a lot of us is isolate us. So it, it's exacerbated mood issues. It's exacerbated our, um, the way we interact with people. And the happier you are, actually, the less gut issues you have. Um, we don't think about them that often, but we can fixate on, on certain things. People are not exercising enough, and exercise is incredibly good, not only for your immune system, which 85% of it's actually found in your gut, um, but your, um, from a sense of well-being, moving that system. When your bowel does not work, when you're constipated, there's a very big chance that you're, you're going to develop um, intestinal dysbiosis by slowing down of that and allowing that bacteria to breed, you know, allowing it to putrefy for longer and things like that. That's when you're going to start to see all of this. So get the bowel moving is very important. Exercise. I, I find that interesting. You know how many people that, that I speak to, you know, they don't, they don't give any credence to the fact that your bowel should move twice a day, at least, like that you should be, you know, taking out, you should allow your body to release all the, 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 the after effects of your eating. I speak to people that go, oh no, I'll go to the bathroom maybe two, three times a, a week, you know, like, what's the problem? Yeah, I mean, I've even had people, can't even remember when last they went to the loo. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's, um, so, the thing is, your bowel movement is absolutely important. It does not make sense. If you're putting all this in the, the top end, it's got to come out properly at the bottom end. And, again, that can be a complex thing on how to get people's bowels to work because some people go on to laxatives. So uh, it's very difficult when they've been on laxatives for years to change that, that um, to back to a point where your bowel is actually working. You've got to literally retrain your gut to work. And so um, when you start to create good absorption, good digestion, you do find that a lot of these things do rectify. Some people will still, they go from going to the toilet every four days to maybe every two days. And that's still better than going every four days. For some people, they do a little bit in the morning and then suddenly they're doing two, three times a day and they go into a panic that um, Tara and I'm going to the toilet twice a day is their problem. No, uh, you know, as long as you don't have chronic diarrhea, it's okay. Um, we want to move it out our systems. So, um, so, it's so, so toxic if we don't move it out of our systems and it probably has a more, like a bigger effect on our liver. It does. It absolutely does. Um, and we want to move this out of system because ultimately at the end of the day, we're all just made up of bacteria. We all break down at the end of the day. We bacteria. So if you, your body has, taken the food, it's broken it down, first of all in your mouth, in your small intestine, you've absorbed what you need. The, the end result of that, the byproduct has to move out your system. It can't stay there, you know, and 
And another thing we often find with, with SIBO and, and um, IBS and that are these incomplete stools. We often people say to me, but I went to the toilet, but I still feel like I can do something, but nothing comes. So, again, we've got to look at what is going on in the system. We want complete stools. So, um, Adel, it's okay to go once a day. It's really okay as long as that's a good bowel movement. And it's over and done with, and you feel like it's okay. Um, so we, we, you know, for those of us that go twice a day, you know, I mean, it's it's amazing. But if you go once a day and you you actually do it well, then that's okay too. Yeah. I, I think the important message there is that hey, guys, your stomach has to work at least once a day. It's yeah. it's not normal for you to go every second day or every fourth day or like three times a week. You know, they kind of like say it with pride, and you go, no, 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 this is not the way yeah. things should work. If you have a question or a comment for Taryn, you can SMS three four five one nine, or our Telegram number is zero six one eight nine five. 1019. We are discussing our gut and all the issues that come from having a gut that is imbalanced. We'll be back shortly. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We're talking to Taryn Cochlin, who is a functional food coach and somebody whose, who's, I think, passion is the gut is our second brain. It should actually be our first brain because we've got that right, then our first brain would work, right? <laughs> I definitely think so. <laughs> Just before we uh, – we need to discuss food. We need to give people – practicalities. Let's just talk about stress because stress is so big today. There is so much fear. There's so much anxiety. You know, um, whatever we, we, we can maybe make comment on, on this whole COVID story. We, we now injected. We doubly injected. We're going to get three times injected. You know, we're still in quarantine. We're still being locked down. We're still being doing things irrespective of where that, 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 that is going just in terms of the vaccine and, 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 and getting immunity. It kind of like makes more sense like you can, you can give yourself your own vaccine. Get, get your stomach right. Then you've got your immune system right. You've got your stress levels right. Is that a, a right way to think? Listen, I'm not going to get into the whole vaccine thing. Please don't take no, me down. I said let's <laughs> vaccine out. Let's, let's, let's talk about our own vaccine. We're not going to comment on the vaccine. Um, obviously, everybody has to get their their own medical opinion and do what's right for them. And we yeah. encourage everybody to do this. is just a discussion. In in addition to the vaccine, if you've taken the vaccine or if you haven't taken the vaccine, there's other things you can do to build up your immunity and calm down your stress. Absolutely. One of the things, um, because a lot of my clients have actually um, had COVID, got COVID, or been in hospital, um, is that they get put on tons of antibiotics. And this is something that we should also look at is what do these people do um, after being on, on, on weeks of antibiotics? Like one of my clients was in ICU for, for three and a half weeks and just constant supply of antibiotics. Um, the the needed thing you want to do is actually start healing your gut. You've got to um, start healing your gut. And and those are the people that I do suggest we look at doing your specialized stool testing and things like that to really start because this long-term COVID thing is, is a very big problem that you're going to get the fatigue, the depression. Again, everything we've been speaking about this morning, you're going to get it even more, more so. So 
What people forget about is we've got to work, we've got to work. Yes, we've got to work. We've got to make money. We've got to live. We've got to pay school fees and things like that. But somewhere in all of that, people are losing the ability to actually find a little bit of their space, their time. And this also creates illness. And so um, it's... It's like a client of mine WhatsApp me yesterday to say, Taryn, I'm so anxious, I don't know what to do with myself. So I said, let's do Zoom tonight and talk. And she just cried and cried and cried. She's so busy. She's got this. She's overwhelmed. Her gut isn't working properly. And I said to her, what are you doing for yourself? She said, I don't have time. You know, you just need 10 to 15 minutes of time in a day to give to yourself. Um, and I always suggest to my client is get out, get in the sun. Get um, get moving, get exercising. If you don't like running around the block and that, is do some stretching. Do some yoga um, uh, stretches and moves and things like it. We've got to get the body moving and look after that part of our lifestyle because you cannot think diet alone is going to change it. You cannot think a supplement alone is going to change it. Exercise is extremely important, um, not only for your gut but your brain. Um, you often find people that exercise more are happier. You know, yeah, the self-care self just makes you less stressed. The self-care is so important. Uh, and so, um, you know, you, you can't just, uh, it's like I send out on my, my website and things like it, how to um, get enough exercise in a day in 15 minutes. You know, put on the radio, put on your music, blast it out, wiggle your hips, jump up and down. And I encourage my clients to do these three to four minutes of, of exercise three to four times a day. We've all got 12 minutes in the day to do this kind of thing, rather than coming and saying it's cold and plump ourselves on the bed or the chair in front of the fire. Is that so? With this woman that I spoke to, I said the first thing that you do when we get off this call is you're going to put on your shoes and you're going to get out into your complex and you're going to go for a walk. She said, I'm too tired. I said, no, just get up and do it. And I got a WhatsApp from her about half an hour later. She says, I'm actually feeling hundreds. So um, we we tend to live in this negative loop mm. is I'm tired, so I'm going to lie down. I need to do this. My gut is hurting, so I need to, you know, and we, we just negative breeds negative, and it just is this feedback all the time, and you get into the spiral. We've got to take ourselves out that spiral. I spend a lot of time with my clients actually going through this of um, how to get yourself out of this negative, negative spiral. Um it's it's incredibly important. You cannot do the one without the other. Right, and I think that this is something that 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 we do we do talk about a lot on the show, is that it's not about any one thing. I mean, if you're doing nothing, it's great if you do something, but it's not one thing. You know, what I mean, I'm, me eating spinach all day is not going to like you know sort the entire thing out. It's it's a lifestyle. It's a commitment. I think that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, um, Mary Ann Shearer that we had on last week, she went and said something simple but profound. She says, it's not like going on a diet. It's a lifestyle. And I think that we've been robbed of that lifestyle with all the social pressures and now the e economic pressures, political pressures. The social media can drive you to drink, Absolutely. to drink by the time you've listened to everybody's opinions and listened to everybody's YouTubes and WhatsApps and, and whatever have you, you know, there, there, there are times, I know Faggy and I speak about it a lot, where we're climbing the walls and we're really just subject 
to the information that we're allowing to come into our space. And it, it, it takes a lot of guts to say, I'm switching off. You know, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm going to have some self-care. That's the one thing that people, if they could just switch off their, their social media for one hour a day, I do believe people would be a lot happier, is that as soon as people wake up in the morning, they grab that cell phone and they look at all the disaster that's happening in the world because as soon as you touch on one disaster, the news feed's going to show you another disaster. Mm-hmm. They're not going to show you something good. So take all of the stuff and, and only look at good things, only look at things that are going to make you happy. Um, and another thing, yes, everything that we do here, because diet is the most important thing. Diet, the way you, you know, when I say diet, healthy eating. Um, but I hear a lot in my business is how long do I have to be on this? <laughs> and and that is the thing is that if you start feeling better, why don't you stick to it? It's because we've been conditioned to believe that a diet is short term. We want to lose weight. Okay, I need to go on diet, lose 10 Ks, and then I can get into my costume in December, and then I can eat the way I was eating before. Or you hear people, because I deal a lot with cancer patients, is uh, as soon as this chemo is over, uh, I'm going to have this and this and this. Well, how did you get here in the first place? Mm. Um, you've sailed through your chemo because we've stabilized your blood sugar levels, we're fixing your gut, we've changed your eating, but you want to go back to the way you were doing. It doesn't work like that. It's um, As Meghan Markle says in your what is it? If you're not going to give it five minutes, then you won't be giving it five years. I think, Tara, it's such a a huge thing. You know, we always talk about lifestyle. We talk about being healthy for a long time. And you you touched up on it earlier um, in the show about the mental health and about the schizophrenia and the bipolar and and all of these major diseases that the food is causing. And for me, in my personal life, like I know that I can't go to certain foods because if I do, it's going to have an effect on my brain. Absolutely. Um, it's your brain. It's your, it's, it's everything. It's going to have effect on everything. It affects your brain. It's going to affect another part of your body as well. So food is important. A lot of people don't see the need to come off gluten and dairy. It's not like you've got to come off them for years, but a lot of people genetically are, um, they are, uh, predisposed to having a lactose intolerant. Intolerance, and when we do these food intolerances, you see the levels are so high that even if they go back to it in three years' time, they will get a major reaction. But we can slowly start introducing a lot of these foods back into the system. Um, and another thing I must mention here is that with regard to food intolerances, a lot of people think they're allergic to these things. They're not allergic to them. They're intolerant to them. And once we start to balance the the gut microbiome, heal the gut, take the burden off the immune system, drop inflammation. A lot of people can just go back to these foods. They don't have to be intolerant to these foods for the rest of their lives. I get that question a lot. I have a friend who's tested her daughter for all of these. um, Yeah, like she's allergic to everything, allergic to sweet potatoes, allergic to celery, allergic to whatever else it is. And she thinks that she can never give it to her ever again. But like you say, once you heal the gut, you could give that back. Yes, because a lot of times your body's reacting to that food, not because you're intolerant, but because you don't have the enzymes to break it down, because you don't have the mechanisms in your body to actually break down that food. You're not chewing properly, you know, that kind of thing. So you can't say that you're intolerant um, and it's going to be like of the rest of life. But some people do. They, they cannot go back to a lot of things. 
Well, yes, I, I, I can certainly attest to that. Um, you know, it's, it, and it's, it's, it's definitely a long journey and it, it, you've got to have a lot of patience. That's what I, I think there's another ingredient here. It's called yeah. patience. We're on 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. We've just had a question come in. How do we treat constipation and going to the toilet too often? I think I think that that has been addressed. You need to find that balance in your gut. Am I right, Taryn? Okay, constipation and diarrhea are just two very different things to actually discuss in one sentence here. But um, uh, first of all, with constipation, sometimes just by changing the eating, I notice immediately that um, there's a massive difference in the bowel movement. You know, eating a lot of carbs and things like it can, um, for some people, can make their tummies work, but others it can actually just stodge them up, you know. So often I say before you rush to a laxative, if you want your tummy to work, my always my go-to is the simple beetroot, is that it is an incredible laxative, but not only that, it's a blood cleanser and it's great for your iron and all sorts of things like that. But you, you take a, a raw beetroot. I know some people are, I can imagine them cringing now. But you take a raw beetroot, you chop it up, either grate it onto your salad or I like to put it into my blender, a little bit of lemon ginger, a little bit of avo, whatever, a couple of blueberries, and you drink it down and it is an incredible laxative um, because of the, the, the fiber in it and um, it's just got this ability to make your tummy work. Try that. And often that really just solves a lot of the, the backlog that is actually sitting in your gut. And from there we move forward. Some people it doesn't work, but the majority of people just the simple beetroot. But again, we're looking at hormonal levels. What is going on hormonally? Uh, what is, it's, it's not as simple as just, but generally I'm seeing 90% of the time you change the eating, you change the, the frequency, the urgency or the slowness of the stool. You know, you, you see this, um, Dairy intolerance too. Yeah, yeah. Gluten in another one. You take gluten out the diet and you and you immediately see a, a massive difference in the bowel movement. Um, so there, there, there you have it. Um, we hope, Helena, we answered your question, and we hope that uh, our listeners understand now that you need to feed your second brain as much as you feed your first brain, and that there is an incredible relationship. Taryn, thank you always for your incredible knowledge. If you'd like to get hold of Taryn, how can they make an appointment to speak to you or Zoom with you? I'll um, I'll send you some information that you can post, but otherwise, um, here I am on social media. Social media has got me, I mean, COVID got me onto social media. Um, I do have a Facebook page and I do have a website, which I'm really starting to update, and that is the Transformation Clinic um, slash Taryn, T-A-R-Y-N, and then C-O-G-H-L-A-N, and there is another transformation clinic in the States, but not the same as mine. Okay, so it's co.za. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you again for, for, for all your time and for your input. Um, food is your medicine. You need to look at what you're eating, what, what, what we are digesting. And if you need some help along the way, Taryn is there to help you. Thank you again, Taryn, for your time. Faggy, as always, it's been great. Thank we'll you, see you again. And thank you, Taryn. Thanks so Thank much. You. Thank you. Bye. Have a good day.